be seated. You know, I thank God that um, that you all are spared some of the things that go on behind the scenes here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Last night as I was driving home, Pastor Tyler called me and said he was sick and he wouldn't be here today. And of course, earlier, Pastor Thomas had texted and said he was sick and might not be here today. And then I was informed that all of our piano players were out. So we didn't have someone to teach the Sunday school lesson. Uh, but Pastor Thomas, he filled in for Pastor Tyler. He feels a lot better today, praise the Lord. And, and I tell you, I, I just, my heart just leaped for joy and praise the Lord when dear sister walked in. And it's like, praise the Lord. We, <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, you know, it's such a, and I say all that because I, I, I don't want you ever to take for granted the blessings that God has given us in this congregation. Um, and so we are truly blessed to have a lot of talent and a lot of men uh, that will uh, stand up and, and teach when, when required. It takes, it takes some doing, doesn't it, Pastor Thomas, to just put a lesson together at the last minute because we are currently going through the book of James for a Bible study, but of course we had a different lesson this morning. Thank you for that. We are in a series right now in the month of December in the book of Ruth. So if you would turn in the book of Ruth, the Ruth chapter 3. And I want to say the goal of this series in the book of Ruth <clears throat> is not to give you a verse-by-verse -verse exposition of the historical grammatical narrative, uh, but rather to help you see the Christ of Christmas. This is a Christmas series. This is not an Old Testament history narrative. Okay, This is a Christmas series, and, and we want you to see in this book of Ruth the Christ of Christmas, the promised Messiah in this wonderful little book. You know, if you look hard enough, and if you look with enough desire in your heart, you can see the gospel throughout the scriptures because that is what the whole of scripture is about, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But why Ruth? I mean, we could have picked other books for a Christmas series. Why the book of Ruth? I mean, this book, as Pastor Tyler introduced us, is set in the time of the judges. And what is the, what is the common mantra during the time of the judges? There's no king in the land. And what happens? Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. So why is the book of Ruth even inserted in this time frame? I think, in my opinion, the book of Ruth is put in here in the midst of this time when God's covenant people are blatantly disobedient and idolatry in the book of Judges is rampant. We see that cycle over and over again. But I, I believe that God puts this book here in the Scriptures to show that He is still sovereign behind the scenes. Because as you open the book of Ruth, in chapter 1, it would appear that the Messianic lineage is gone. 
God's going to have to start over. I mean, the line of Judah, through the particular families that God has ordained that the Messiah would come from, that lineage is cut off. <clears throat> and it's cut off by this one man's uh, seeming disobedience as he, as he disobeys God, as he, instead of repenting of his sins, as he flees from God, as he, as he flees to a foreign country, uh, an idolatrous country. And he takes his wife with him, and, and they're influenced. His wife and his sons are influenced. And so his sons marry foreign women, which is against the law. God is specifically forbade the men of Israel to, to take the daughters of these foreign nations as wives. He said, don't intermarry with them. And yet we see in, that this lineage is, is supposedly cut off because Elimelech does just that. His sons do just that. And then, of course, while they're there, God punishes them. God, the, Elimelech dies, and then his two sons, they die without children. So the lineage, what's happening to the lineage? Well, we'll see in this book that God is not silent. He didn't just set things in motion and then sit back and watch how they play out. But as a sovereign God, he is directing the affairs of man in everything. And we see that in the book of Ruth. We see in chapter 1 when she came back, brought her daughter-in-law with her. Her daughter-in-law refused to, to leave, to leave her, mother, her, her mother-in-law. And, you know, you, you heard the line, your, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. And so Ruth is put here to show us that God is still in control. Even in this dark time in, the, in his people's history, where the very covenant people of God seem to be just having nothing to do with God, God puts this book in here tells us this story that, that he's still in control his his plan will come to fruition and there will be the seed of the woman that crushes the serpent's head and i believe we'll see that in this wonderful little book of ruth it is my hope and prayer that everyone present will clearly hear and see the gospel in this passage and upon hearing, we'll properly respond to it. I pray that all will cast themselves upon the mercy of God and flee to the kinsman redeemer. The Lord Jesus Christ. The theme of this passage, I believe, is redemption. With the help of the Lord, I hope to present that theme to you in, in three parts of this passage the first part being the need for redemption the second part being redemption sought out or sought for uh, Naomi's plan for Ruth's redemption and then see redemption promised now you have to wait till next week to see how it all plays out okay that's chapter four and that's up pastor Thomas will be preaching that so we have the first part let's read this chapter and then we'll start into it. The word of God reads, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, <clears throat> with whose young women you were? See, 
He is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she, being Ruth, went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet... There is a Redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment that you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it. And he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word. We pray that you would open our hearts to your word, Father. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Father, we pray that you would magnify Christ in all of our hearts here today. Show us our kinsman redeemer. Help us to flee to him. Father, we ask that you would uh, be kind and merciful to us and that you would spread your garments over us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have the need for redemption. Naomi is a widow. Now, there's a lot of assumption that takes place here, but I would assume that Elimelech, when he left, probably sold his property, okay? Most likely, he sold his property. So when Naomi comes back, she doesn't have anything. She's a widow. So that's, uh, she's in dire straits. And not only that, but now um, Ruth is with her. So there's two mouths to feed. And we know in, private, in, in the previous chapter that Ruth was very 
uh, frugal in how she worked, and she went out and, and did her very best to take care of her mother-in-law as far as uh, providing food. But we don't really, <clears throat> I don't think, understand in our day because we have welfare, we have Social Security, we have insurance policies, we have all kinds of things that, that are in place to take care of the, those who are destitute, right? And, and we have a, a lot of widows in our church. And yet, I don't think any of them are anywhere near uh, in, in dire straits like it would be back in, back in, in history. And so there's a need for something to take place here. They have a very bleak future to look forward to. You've heard the term hand-to-mouth, right? It's going to be very bleak for these widows. And, and it's going to be even worse for Ruth because she's a foreigner. She might be okay as long as Naomi's alive because Naomi's from Bethlehem. She's not a foreigner. But once Naomi's not there... Now you have this widow who's a foreigner. And so it's a very bleak future. So it's not, Naomi's desire is, is to repay Ruth for Ruth's devotion, for Ruth's loyalty, for Ruth's kindness. But how can she do so? What can she repay her with? Well, she's using her brain here. She's going to think of a solution and try to come up with a plan. Naomi wanted to do for Ruth what Ruth could not do for herself. She wanted Ruth to have security or rest. She wanted Ruth to have a good life, married to a good man, not the hard life of a foreign widow. Then we have Ruth's need. If Ruth was going to continue taking care of Naomi, she would need help. Now, sure, this, this wheat and barley harvest was, was about over. And her food was, she would glean from the fields. What, what is she going to do once that's gone? I don't know what the seasons are. What, what, what's next in growing? Do they have to wait till the next spring to, to find food to eat? She's going to need help. If Ruth wants to give Naomi grandchildren, she would need to find someone willing to marry her. Now keep in mind, she's a foreigner. If the men of Israel are obedient, they're not going to marry her. Of course, then the argument is, is, is she came home with Naomi. Did she proselytize, uh, became, become uh, an Israelite? Be, you know, she did in my opinion, because she said, your God will be my God. So she's at least in a, a believer, but will the men of the town of Bethlehem see that? If she was to be truly a part of Naomi's people, if she was to truly worship Naomi's God, then she needed to be redeemed. You know, that's the greatest need of the human race still today. The problem for those outside of Jesus Christ is that they are God's enemies. There's no neutral ground. You're either on God's side or you're against Him. There's light and there's dark. 
There's no in-between. And if you are not on God's side, then you have a serious problem. Nothing that you can do will cause God to sue for peace. You know, when we are at war with other countries, we try to create as much destruction on them as possible to, to where they will finally beg for peace. God's not like that. You can't do anything to cause God to sue for peace. You are a slave to sin if you are outside of Christ. As a matter of fact, all you do is sin. Everything you do is sin if you are outside of Christ. The Bible clearly teaches that everything not done in faith is sin. And if you don't have faith in Christ, you don't do anything in faith. You can never have peace of mind or you can never have rest for your weary soul if you don't have Christ. Your greatest need is to be redeemed. Your greatest need is to have peace with God. Your greatest need is to have rest for your weary soul. And Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's where you go to find peace with God. Ian Campbell writes, The kind of rest that Jesus gives the longing soul is a rest that brings with it fullness and security and pardon. It is a rest that washes away all the burdens of the past. It is a rest that deals finally and definitively with all that we ever did and all that we ever were that came short of the glory of God. The peace that Jesus gives comes with the promise of eternal security for the man or the woman who sets his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. End quote. Do you have lost loved ones? Your desire would be to find rest for their souls. If you're not in Christ, won't you come in humble repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus today, seeking the rest that only He can give. He is your only hope. He is your only kinsman, redeemer. So Naomi has a plan. She wants, she desires rest for Ruth. And so she has a plan. She says in chapter 2, she points out the fact that Boaz is an irrelative. And she also points out the fact that he's a kinsman redeemer, right? In our passage today, she says, Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is a winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Naomi's plan involves three things. Her plan involves pointing Ruth to the right person. Pointing Ruth to the right person at the right place and time. And pointing Ruth to the right person with the right petition. See, Boaz, is, is, he's not just some random guy living in Bethlehem. There, there are a lot of random guys living in Bethlehem. Remember in chapter 2, Boaz made sure that those random guys that were out there in the fields weren't going to molest Ruth. 
There were plenty of young men in Bethlehem. Boaz was not just a random guy. He was a close relative, which qualified him as a kinsman redeemer. He was qualified to redeem Elimelech's property, and he was qualified to preserve his lineage. But Boaz was not only qualified as a kinsman redeemer, he was a man of means, and as such, he was able to be a kinsman redeemer. Redeeming, uh, most of the time, would take a considerable sum of money to purchase back the properties or whatever Elimelech had. He was able. He was qualified and he was able. He demonstrated his godly character in chapter 2 when he had gone above and beyond, as, as Brother Ryan preached last week, above and beyond what the law required. So he, he showed his godly, generous character. He also offered his protection while she worked in his fields. So yes, Naomi pointed Ruth to the right person. Boaz was qualified and able, and as we'll see later in this passage, he was willing. Christian, there's only one who is qualified to be the kinsman redeemer of his people. The Lord Jesus Christ. For he is the spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Bible says of our kinsman redeemer, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. Jesus Christ is the only one qualified to redeem his people. Jesus Christ is the only one able to redeem his people. The Bible says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. Galatians 3.13 Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7.25 But Christ is not only qualified He's not only able, but yes, dear ones, he is willing. Jesus said of himself, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. That's found in John chapter 10. Jesus Christ is the kinsman redeemer for his people. He is qualified. He is able. And yes, he is willing. Do you have lost loved ones? Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Send them to the right person. Send them to the only one that can help. Send them to the only one that can save. Send them to Christ. So Naomi, she sent Ruth to the right person. But she also sent Ruth to the right place. She says, wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. Threshing floor. 
place. But do not make yourself known to the man until he finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Naomi knew exactly where Boaz would be. He would be at the threshing floor. The conditions and the location for her plan were just right. Ruth was to go to the threshing floor and place herself at the feet of their kinsman redeemer. Dear ones, if you are to be savingly joined with the Redeemer, you must go to Him at the right location. What is the right location? You must look for Him in the threshing floor of God's Word. Because that is where you will find the Redeemer. You won't find Him in the world. You won't find Him in wealth. You won't find Him in prestige. You won't find Him in anything other than in the word of God. Now, creation sings forth, there is a God, but you don't know that his name is Jesus until you find him in the word, the threshing floor of God's word. You must go to the right place. If you have lost loved ones, you must send them to the right place. You must speak to them the word of God. You must show them Christ in the word. Because it's not your desire, it's not your earnestness, it's not your ability to eloquently uh, uh, say stuff or even convince them to do anything. It's the power of the Word of God. The power is in the Word. The Bible says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. The gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul says, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16. You must go to him at the foot of the cross. You must prostrate yourself at the feet of Jesus. You must go to him at the right place. And when you find him, place yourself at his feet and do all that he commands you. You notice how uh, Naomi told Ruth that. Uncover his feet, lay down, and do what he tells you. Dear ones, you must find yourself at the feet of Christ. And when you do, you must do as he commands. He commands you to repent and to believe the gospel. It is there at the cross, just like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, that the burden of your sins will roll away. At the foot of the cross, flee to the Savior. Naomi sent Ruth to the right person. She sent Ruth to the right place. And she sent Ruth at the right time. She knew exactly when Boaz would be at the threshing floor. And that was when she sent Ruth. She instructed Ruth that once she arrived at the right location to wait for the right moment. 
Do not make yourself known to the man. Wait till he eats and drinks. And wait till he lies down and mark the place. And then when he is lying down and went to sleep, go uncover his feet. Lay down and do what he tells you. She sent Ruth at the right time. Dear ones, when is the right time for you to flee to the Savior? The almighty triune God says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. God's word says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. When is God near? Wouldn't you say he's near during a worship service as we meet together to worship him? Wouldn't you say he's near when, when you are hearing the gospel? Now is the time. Right now is the time of your salvation. Why would you wait? Why would you delay? Why would you even gamble that you, you're going to make it alive home today? The Bible doesn't say that tonight's the time. It doesn't say that tomorrow's the time or next week. It doesn't say when you grow up and graduate high school or college, after you've finished sowing your wild oats and had all the fun you can stand and then come to Christ. It says now is the time of salvation. Do not delay. Do not delay. And then we see in verse 6, we see Ruth's obedience. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just what her mother-in-law had commanded her. Do you obey God like that? Go to Jesus Christ and do what he commands you. Next, we'll look at Ruth's petition. Boaz notices her and asks her who she is, and she tells him who she is. And then she says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Verse 9. In essence, Ruth was asking Boaz to redeem her, to marry her. She was proposing to Boaz, which would be something unheard of, especially in their day. Usually it was the parents that would arrange the marriage. But Ruth, in essence, is saying, marry me, redeem me. She was petitioning Boaz as a close relative, as a kinsman redeemer, to save her from her current situation. If you do not yet know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, why don't you petition him with the words of Ruth? Spread your wings over your servant. Cry out to, with King David, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. With the publican, humbly and penitently plead with the kinsman redeemer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Go to the right person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to him at the right place in the word of God. Go to him at the right time, which is now. And go to him with the right petition. 
God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And, and sometimes I think about Esau. When he come in after Jacob had stole his blessing, he cries out, Bless me, O oh my father, bless even me. And we could cry those words, just not in selfish rage like Esau, but in humble penitence. We can cry out to God, bless me, my father, bless even me. Bless me with the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Bless my lost loved ones with the salvation that comes through Christ. And in faith, dear ones, fall down at the Master's feet and declare with the Apostle Thomas, my Lord and my God. Next we see that redemption is promised. In verses 11 through 13, Boaz says that he will do what Ruth has requested. But there's a caveat. There's a, there's a condition. There's, 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 there's a, a, a possible obstacle in what Boaz wants to do. And that is, there is something, there is someone closer that can and is eligible and is qualified to be the kinsman redeemer. Notice, though, that Boaz makes a definite promise. He does. Ruth will be redeemed. That is promised. Ruth will be redeemed. Now, whether it's Boaz or whether it's this other kinsman redeemer, Ruth will be redeemed. Ruth's situation will change. Hopefully for the better. But her situation will change. She has shown herself to be loyal to her mother-in-law. She has shown herself to be a virtuous woman. In Boaz's mind, there won't be any doubt as to Ruth being redeemed. As to her getting married, the only question left to be answered is, who will it be who does so? Boaz brings her attention uh, to this, that he is a qualified redeemer, but there is one that's in, in line in front of him. Now, we're not going to go through all the, the rules and, and regulations of kinsman redeemer. But the closest relative has first dibs and so on and so forth. But notice Boaz says that he will deal with this problem first thing in the morning. He will do it without delay. Ruth will either be redeemed by the other man or if he is unwilling, then Boaz says, as the Lord lives, <laughs> which is a solemn oath, I will do so. I will redeem you. Well, this is where the gospel kind of parts from the story here, dear ones, because there is no closer kinsman redeemer than the Lord Jesus. There is only one kinsman redeemer. You do not have to be in doubt. You do not have to worry uh, if he can do it or somebody else will do it. I'm here to tell you that no one else will do it because no one else can do it. Jesus Christ is it. He is your redeemer or he is your judge. Period. So we don't have to wait till morning to find out, is Christ going to redeem me or is somebody else? No. If you flee to Christ, He promises, if you come in repentance and faith, He promises to save you. You don't have to doubt. 
You don't have to worry. Will it take place? No. You flee to him in repentance and faith, and he will do so. And so Boaz covers Ruth with his robe as a symbol of his promise to redeem her. Dear one, when Christ redeems you, you are clothed in his robe, the robe of his righteousness. And you are not only clothed in his righteousness, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that your salvation can never be removed from you. It can never be reversed. It can never be taken away. And the seal of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit guarantees your place with Christ Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth, there to live with Him for all eternity. In our passage today, we have seen a beautiful love story playing out. If we stuck to the historical narrative, we had had the makings of a typical Hallmark movie. Right? But this love story is so much more. This is not just boy meets girl, boy and girl fall in love, boy and girl get married. No, this love story is for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Naomi had the right information, and so she came up with the right plan. Now, we say that knowing that it was God's plan all along. And Naomi was an instrument in God's hands to point Ruth to the right person. Naomi was an instrument in God's hands to point Ruth to the right place and the right time and go with the right petition. Are you willing to be an instrument of God? Can you point people to the right person? Can you point them to the right place in the right time and tell them the right petition? Can you point them to the kinsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ? Dear ones, we, we must point the lost to the right person. There's no hope in anyone else. There's no hope in, in anything else Christ is it, and he is sufficient, and he is mighty to save. You must flee to Christ, to Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified, buried, and risen Lord of glory. You must go to the right place to find this person, God's holy word. And it is of the utmost importance that you find the Christ of Scripture, not all the, the, the superficial counterfeit Christs of, of a lot of what's given in, in supposed modern Christianity. There have been many counterfeits, but there's only one Christ of Scripture. 
And he's the right one. He's the kinsman redeemer, not the counterfeits. They're not even in the running. Christ is it. Can you point people to the Christ of Scripture? That's important, dear ones. We must. We don't have to be theologians, but we must be able to point people to the Christ of Scripture, the Christ of Christmas. And you must urge them to flee without delay. Come to Christ now. I close with these words penned by the hymn writer, which we will sing this hymn at the end. Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, hope for sinners slain. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, no matter what I say, these words are just empty words unless you attend them with the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray that you would make your salvation a reality in every heart here today. That no one would leave not knowing you as Savior. Father, bring them to your Son. Help us point the lost to Christ. Help us point our loved ones to Christ. But not just in words, but Father, help us to do so in, in deeds as well. Father, use your word to sanctify us. Use your word, Father, to make us the Christians that you have called us to be. And make us faithful in our endeavors to serve you. And would you do all this for your glory, for the good of your church, and that our King may be magnified and glorified through all the earth. For it's in his holy name I pray. Amen. If you'd stand and sing with me hymn number 